0: And we are just really, really excited to have Rob join us. I'm going to let Al introduce Rob. We have Sarah Middleton, who is president of Ignite. Ignite is our coaching platform. And this is part of this this arm of Fairway. Allie Driscoll works in our marketing department. Hello, Allie. So she puts together a lot of the things that you guys see that we post on social media or push out um, through client announcements. Um, so with that, I'm going to turn it over to Al Hecklinski, who's senior vice president over fairway wholesale.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us for a couple minutes this afternoon, uh, as always excited to, um, have this podcast and, uh, have some exciting guests to share with, uh, all of you, um, today, I don't believe that, uh, Mr. Crispin needs much of an introduction as most everyone in the industry. Has seen, has read uh, a time or two over the last 12 years, Rob. Um,
2: <laughs> oh,
1: long time, Al. Long, long time. Long time. Long time running. But, uh, you know, we're, we're really excited to, to have Rob join us today. And, and while we read his, his uh, daily commentary, you know, just to take a couple minutes and, and uh, talk about the industry, some of the stuff that's going on, um, you know, a little bit different angles of, of what's happening right now. Um, there is a lot at play uh, within the industry and, and things that are influencing our business. Um, but, you know, Rob, as, as, we get started with, with today's podcast um, how did you end up writing commentary on a daily basis and, and, you know, growing to you know, such a, 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 a reader base that you are today. So
2: Al, First of all and, and holly and sarah thank you very much for having me um words are important al and when you say end up maybe the better term is go into right how people say oh i i wound up in mortgage banking or i ended up in mortgage banking but uh maybe maybe it's better to say i i went into mortgage banking or i went into commentary writing but i actually wound up writing a commentary uh, because I found it valuable to receive impartial information source, sources out there that weren't slanted toward a particular investor or a particular vendor. The, the, the unbiased news out there is, is relatively scarce. And so I always thought that people, if they were given the facts and the information, could make up their own minds and determine what course of action they wanted to take, rather than me telling them exactly what to do. So I, I put it out uh, just to inform people. And uh, you're right, the, um, the readership has grown, thankfully, and it's not through some kind of advertising scheme on my part, or any kind of business plan that I had mapped out many, many years ago. It's just because I like doing what I do, and I like informing people. And I think, the industry is always changing. And I, uh, I enjoy it when people come up to me at a conference and say, you know, uh, we were looking for an LOS or we were looking for a a vendor for this. And I read your commentary and, uh, you know, we've been using them ever since, or somebody comes up to me who uh, says they got their job through my commentary and they, uh, they appreciate me putting in the job ads. I know competitors don't like me putting in job ads, but uh, I figure if you're out of work, any, any source of information like that is good. So, yeah, I, I did it because I started doing it, and I continue to do the commentary every day or six days a week because I enjoy doing it, and I, and I get some nice comments back from doing it.
0: Hey, Rob. So over the years. Go ahead. Oh,
1: real quick, real quick. The, the, the roles that you've held in, in pre-commentary, you know, the capital markets and and a lot of different things within the industry sounds like today you've you've enjoyed arriving at this role of trusted advisor right I mean is that is that my takeaway is that a fair takeaway fair assessment of the role that you play right now
2: i I do enjoy it the um, uh, I do some capital markets consulting as well and some other writing as well. but like I said, I think that people realize that when you know, aside from some usual barbed comments or, or some snip, snippety snap comments that I make, uh, for the most part, it is just information and, and, and unbiased information. And I do like that role because, like I said, the, the industry doesn't have enough unbiased information that's out there. and In fact, not only the industry, but news in general, it's hard to find unbiased, unbiased facts. And I, I like to think that I present that to people who typically know a lot more about their jobs and are a lot smarter than I am, and they can make their own decisions. So I do enjoy what I do. And I'll, people ask, well, when are you going to retire? Because, you know, you're 85 years old now, Rob, or at least you look 85 years old. And uh, I tell them I'll I'll stop doing it when I, when I stop enjoying doing it, probably similar to a lot of people who uh, have, you know, jobs out there helping, helping borrowers or helping, Clients, if they're vendors, when they stop enjoying doing it, they'll stop doing it. All
0: right. So I'm going to jump in with our first question with if, if somebody does not already get your blog daily, what are some of the changes that FHFA is are, what they're making Fannie and Freddie do or change or, or have already made? What should brokers know about that?
2: Well, the. Uh. You know, for, for years we, we've had the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, the, the government-sponsored enterprises, the agencies, whatever you want to call them, under government conservatorship. And during the Trump administration and Mark Calabria, the big thrust was to get them out from under conservatorship, to, to set them free, to have them be not a part of the government as they are now uh, under conservatorship. That obviously has, has ended, Mark Calabria's um, uh, uh, tenure has ended. I was going to say rain, but that would be probably too uh, loyal <laughs> of a His
3: dictatorship, he got the Oh No, no.
2: <laughs> he, he, he was doing what he thought was right, right? Yep. Um, no, nobody goes to work wanting to do a bad job. and he, he had his opinions, and he certainly had a pulpit to put out his opinions and to make changes at Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac that were indeed made. Now we have a new administration, uh, one would argue, which was much more user-friendly for the industry and for the borrowers that are out there. And the changes, Holly, getting back to your question, the changes that brokers need to be aware of, the, the, the GSE reform that we've been talking about happens almost on a daily basis. And so it's almost like watching a tree grow you know you, you know go through the seasons and so forth you you see things that you didn't see a week ago or a month ago that you don't see happening on a day-to-day basis so with the agencies they've been evolving and changing gradually throughout time and i think brokers need to keep an eye on that because those gradual changes do eventually mean changes for their borrowers and so it isn't a Uh, a hard you know big wide sweeping change like we're going to get these these agencies out of conservatorship and on their own it's not that kind of change that brokers should be aware of it is more the gradual okay let's take a look at the adverse market fee let's take a look at second homes let's take a look at non-owner occupied let's take a look at Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac's footprint expanding or contracting gradually and mainly what we're seeing now is an emphasis on affordable housing and first time home buyers, because unfortunately for a segment of the industry that caters to say second home buyers or rental home buyers, the agency's main emphasis going forward, I don't think is gonna be on helping those borrowers so much. They're not a protected class within this administration. The administration wants to see more uh, home ownership among minorities and among disadvantaged groups. And so those typically don't include second homeowners and investment property owners. So I would say there is a segment of the industry that's looking for, for, for increases or improved approved lending environment for second homes and non-owner. Um, I don't think they're gonna see it necessarily But what I I do see happening are incremental changes with regard to affordable housing and some maybe expanding the credit box a little bit, um, uh, maybe some tweaks to DU and LP going forward, which will help more borrowers on a a bigger scale get into home ownership.
1: Okay, next question um as as we start to see the market shift a little bit and and we're technically starting to taper out of the refi boom um what's your what's your outlook as far as your crystal ball outlook as far as interest rates but really as we is you know there's different different drivers right now and i see you write more and more about um the labor market you know and, and employment um and this is a big a big challenge in in Know, in, in our country today, as far as the service industries um, your take as far as that the the labor market, the service industries uh, and influence on interest rates right now let's call it short term
2: yeah the 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 pandemic you know we, we a year and a half ago we we started off this this pandemic uh, with a with a huge number of people who uh didn't didn't even believe that it existed didn't believe it would have an impact uh didn't believe this didn't believe that didn't believe in getting i mean i mean it became a very political discussion unfortunately it's not so much a health discussion it's a political discussion and as the pandemic went on it definitely caused a a greater gap between the haves and the have-nots i would say most of the folks on this phone call were uh, beneficiaries, as bad as that sounds, but beneficiaries from the pandemic. They were able to work from home. In fact, many people work from home anyway who are probably on this call. So they were able to continue working from home. But they, because of the interest rate environment, rates plunged and that helped people who wanted to refinance use brokers to help them refinance. And new home buyers, because rates are so low, affordability increased, so they were able to go out and buy homes. The service sector that you mentioned, the you know the the the, the, uh, the hotel maid or the short order cur- uh, cook at a vacation resort, those typically are not homeowners. Uh, they're they are wannabe homeowners, but they are typically not homeowners. So. The interest rate environment and the lending environment as 2020 went on and into 2021 didn't necessarily help those people. And a lot of them were either out of a job or were cut back on their hours and so forth and really had to, to uh, you know tighten the belt in terms of lifestyle and in terms of economic growth and spending. you know let's put off buying a new pair of pants or, or new tennis shoes for a while. I get my job back or until things improve a little bit. So <clears throat> on the other hand, the wealthier part of of our society, uh, you know, benefited, as I said, from from lower rates, they were able to refinance or, or buy a house out in the suburbs, or buy a second home, because the cost of credit was there, the programs were there offered by Fairway, for example. And so they were able to improve things, the service sector, not so much now, as we got into 2021 and headed toward the summer, there were a lot of hopes that the service sector would come back. Uh, that is until we get smacked again with the Delta uh, variant. And now they're talking about the, the Mu, the Mu, Mu variant and the Lambda variant. And so you have a population, especially in the service sector, saying, wait a minute, We pretty much did what we were told to do in terms of masks, in terms of staying at home, in terms of not having big gatherings in 2020 and 2021. And now just when that's starting to come back, they're talking about these variants and the overflowing hospitals yet again, and the ICUs and so forth and so on. So I think obviously a lot of people are are disappointed and dejected with what's going on now uh, in the health area. And that has its impact on our economy and in turn interest rates. So you're right, Al, nobody has a crystal ball. uh, And if you're gonna put a number on something in the future, don't put an exact date on it. Uh, But the general trend right now is toward rates staying the same or maybe even going a little bit lower, frankly, Uh, just because the economy is not seeing that big pickup, especially in the service sector that we once saw. On top of all that, The government had stepped in and offered benefits to to people who uh, were disadvantaged because of the pandemic, because their jobs went away or whatever it might be. They are only now getting going again. Uh, And there is some talk out there that uh, some of those people did not look for jobs uh, because they were receiving the government checks. Now those checks are winding down in many states. And so it's thought that they will go back into the workforce But for now, like I said, the economy is not doing as well as people had hoped it would be. And so interest rates tend to reflect economic conditions, and the economic conditions just don't warrant much higher rates.
0: I'm going to shift gears just a little bit. So a lot of our broker partners are looking to grow and to expand, and there are different philosophies on how to do that. Um, some are trying to hire from other broker companies or banks or credit unions, and some are bringing brand new people in and, and cultivating them um, from scratch. What do, What do you think is the best route, and what are you seeing from the broker community?
2: Well, I am going to make Sarah earn her keep and have her <laughs> <laughs> and have her her input on. Uh, what is she seeing out there uh, with brokers in terms of hiring people fresh out of high school or junior college or college or trying to recruit from other brokers or from larger institutions? So Sarah, what are you seeing?
3: Yeah, well, we, we are seeing a ton of new people, brand new is really interesting because my uh, son is at U of A, he plays tennis. I got to get that plug in for him. Just made the All-American team. Okay, anyway, <laughs> He called me today and he said, uh, hey, I'm going to take uh, this loan origination class at uh, University of Arizona because he wants to get into our business. Uh, and that's just one of hundreds and hundreds of examples. Here's what I would say to the broker community, uh, to, to, to all of you. I think there is just a um, sea of talent out there, but you have to be extremely uh, you know, just conscientious about that you're hiring those folks who we we call hungry, humble, and smart, right? They have to have that humility about them. They have to be hungry and want to go after it. And they have to have, obviously, you know, uh, the, the smarts around it. But you also have to be willing to put the time in. And I would just encourage all of you that Again, we you know, we do these calls uh, once a month and we wanna continue to provide more value from our wholesale group and our, our coaching side, because we do a lot internally for our brand new people, and we know how important it is to educate and to train, but you you have to be conscientious about the time it's gonna take to get those people up to speed. But I don't know about the rest of you. I think, I think our career, I, I, I'm sure Holly, Alan, Rob, you agree with me. I mean, this is my 35th year in the business. It's been the greatest journey, greatest path, greatest career, you know, no, no limitation to what you want to do in this industry. There's nothing uh, that caps you. And that's what I love about it. It is, you know, primarily commission, and you have to be okay with that. But there's always so many different angles, right, Rob? That you, I mean, look at look at you, Rob. <laughs> you know, look look at you. You're doing capital market consulting uh, for a lot of different companies. You write your blog every day. I mean, you have um, flexibility. Again, I know how hard you work and how early you get up to do what you do. Uh, but that's just one path, and then you know I have a couple roles at Fairway. But who knew we were going to start a coaching arm, right, Holly? Five years ago, close to five years ago, and what would happen? And then Holly, in your role, so just you know, encouraging all of you to look for those college folks or the or the folks like literally, we were sitting at a restaurant the other night with one of our managers, and we were both talking about it, and we were like, hire that guy hire that guy, the guy that was our waiter, because he was just a hustler, he, he was great at conversation, he was super conscientious, and uh, she's ending up hiring him as a brand new LOA, so I uh, would highly encourage you to, to look for green, new talent that's hungry, humble, and smart.
2: Well, there you go, that, that's, that sums it up. I was going to say, Al, I mean, you were, you were in the baseball industry, uh, and obviously teams uh, had their farm system where they were grooming talent, you know, from high school or college or, or after college, but also teams are, are always looking for existing talent that they can, they can trade for or obtain from other teams. And the, the mortgage banking world is kind of the same thing. It's, it's, it's nice as, as Sarah mentioned to have this farm system of, gee, I went into Nordstrom's and the shoe salesman was particularly wonderful. And so I said, oh, have you ever thought about blah, blah, blah? And suddenly, you know, you have a new LOA or, uh, you know, you're at lunch with a friendly competitor. And let's face it, you know, in, in many markets around the around the nation, people people know each other. You've known Sarah. You've probably have known known your competitors for dozens of years. Yeah, and uh, you know it's like it's like old home week whenever you see them, and you know th- just the just the slightest you know you know Frank, you know how's it going? Oh, it's going okay. You know just that like tone of voice. It's like ooh maybe Frank maybe Frank would be open to having a follow up lunch, uh, and so I think good managers. Sarah to your point, good managers are continue to cultivate this, this farm system, whether they are sponsoring events at the local uh, JC or local college or, or advertising or whatever it might be. and they are open to, to meeting somebody who just strikes them as a great customer service kind of person or a very quantitative kind of person who might be a great underwriter. You know, Can't we can't exclude ops from this, but those are great- What nowadays, is our
3: average, Rob, you know, all these stats. What is our average age now as in, in our industry? Cause I know, you know, a few years ago it was like 52 and then I heard it was 57. What is it today?
2: 78. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I
3: know, cause we keep aging. I mean, right?
2: Oh uh, yeah uh there i i've heard i've heard high 40s actually if you look okay at so it's here. so
3: we're 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 getting younger which is yeah good a little bit younger kind of aging out right
2: yeah there are there are some people it, i'm always amused in not a great way when i'm at a conference and i'm talking to somebody and they're in their 70s for example or late 60s and they're saying you know we need to get new people in this industry and i'm thinking One of the reasons why new people aren't necessarily coming into our industry is because you're still in it. You know, you're you are, in effect, arguably, taking, you know, occupying a job that you should be training somebody to do who's in their 20s. And I'll tell you, generally speaking, brokers know that it's good to mimic or mirror the industry or the, I should say, the area in which they're lending. So if you are in you know, certain neighborhoods in Los Angeles, for example, or the Bay Area that are primarily Hispanic. You don't want a bunch of Irish LOs or Irish brokers. Uh, you want to, to have Hispanic brokers or originators to, to, to mirror that area. And so the, uh, the, the fact of the matter is when you are going after people in their 20s and 30s who are, you know, represent this first-time homebuyer segment, they may not want to deal with some 75-year-old originator uh, with, the, with the steel case desk and the potted palm in, in back and they're, they're filling out the information on a yellow legal pad. There's a mismatch there. So I think brokers are very good at, at hiring and knowing what the local community uh, will, satis- will be satisfied by and be able to, to mimic that with their origination staff and That comes to new hires, you know, new people coming into the business, and it also comes from recruiting people that, that you know in the industry who aren't quite happy. Maybe they've had a change of ownership in their brokerage. Maybe uh, you know, maybe business is going away for whatever reason. Maybe the, that particular broker doesn't have the investor product set that, that really appeals to that particular originator And so those people are are open to those experienced people are open to coming over. So I would say, Holly, answer your question. It's it's kind of it's definitely a mix. There are companies out there, though, like Fairway, for example, which has a very good reputation for hiring younger people and having them come into management, having learn about different roles within the company. So that's nice to see. That's nice to see. There's there's a company in the Bay Area that will uh, remain nameless. That uh, the ownership and senior management were definitely in their 70s. Now they've been phasing out in favor of younger ownership, but they were viewed as more of a dinosaur kind of organization. I hope I don't get in trouble for for saying this stuff, but but really they've they've turned here in recent years and said you know it's time for new blood. And they've been, they've been making a concerted effort to bring new people into their company. And it's nice to see.
1: So staying on the topic of, of new, um, you know, the brokers, as you just mentioned, the brokers have, have done a tremendous job over the years of really entrenching themselves in, into the communities and serving the communities. Um, what we see right now is new entrance into the industry. You know, new new entrance of of lenders, uh, a lot of AI uh, in in technology really coming in, you know, to to compete with our brokers. Uh, talk to us a little bit about what you see the, the the that that pattern or or the success of of those different models uh, that are coming into our mortgage industry with you know leveraging more technology and AI as opposed to what the brokers historically do is you know, get, get based based in communities and build relationships.
2: So that, that's a good question, because, you know, you can't almost everything's technology based now, right? Whether it's, a uh, you know, opening your garage door or, or getting a loan application or underwriting and so forth and so on. The, the successful originators I've seen that are out there and the successful brokers I've seen that are out there don't aren't the kind of people to automatically embrace every new bright shiny toy that comes their way they realize how much of a people business this is and that was demonstrated in during 2020 because here you had people who were pretty much isolated and they needed to they needed financing for their home so they would contact a local broker and maybe they had a face to face Six feet away meeting. Maybe it was done by telephone, maybe it was done by text, whatever. But the successful brokers out there reminded us that it is a people business. And it's important for originators to understand and, and, and the technology that's out there and be able to evaluate it. But it's also important for them to, 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 to remind their coworkers that. You have, you are dealing with, especially in the case of first time home buyers, but you're dealing with people who are unfamiliar with this process. This might be the only loan they ever get, and they don't want to go on the internet and type in, you know, why is my appraisal taking so long? You know, what is an escrow holdback account? What is a 1003? They would prefer a lifeline to an actual human in the form of a broker, mortgage broker to be able to ask them those questions. So the successful originators that I saw from 2020 and then into this year were, were people who were able to evaluate technology, but it was still a people business to them. They they care about their borrowers. They, you know, they would get a phone call from the borrower, from a potential borrower, hey, you know, hey Al, um, I hear uh, Fairway has great rates. What are your what are your rates today? And you would you know Al would say well, um, we do have some really great rates but but who did you hear that from? And you know tell me a little bit about yourself. And oh, is it just you? Do you have a family? What area are you looking in? And uh, uh, you know we offer, you know, 30 year, 15 year. We offer a myriad of project products. So let's figure out what best fits you before we start talking about rates. Because we do have some great rates, but until I figure out more about your situation and then figure out a good program, I'm not going to, you know, giving you a rate isn't going to give you any information. Let's let's take a look at your credit. And so originators are able to have that conversation rather than somebody who's 28 years old and they saved up, you know, $50,000 for a down payment and they don't know how much of a house that's going to get them. And so they go on the internet and then, you know, they get lost in in internet land. It's so important to have a good broker to be able to guide, help guide that person. What can they do with that $50,000? What about down payment assistance programs? What about, you know, uh, doctor and teachers programs? You know, where are we looking? How can we structure this deal? there's a lot of wisdom that brokers have that isn't, you never hear about the internet being wise. You hear about the internet being fast, but it might not give potential clients of uh, people on this phone call, the right information, the right answer. And that's where people come in. They can use technology as a tool, but it's not an end all solution. And on top of that, and since I'm, I'm ranting on here a little bit, uh, the there are companies out there and typically they're more in the vendor space, but uh, also in the lender space. And you could have a lot of computer science majors come out of, you know, University of Arizona, for example, or, or Caltech or whatever. And they say, we're going to, we're going to rewrite the mortgage industry. You know, we're going to change it. We've got this great whiz bang program. We're going to do that. We're going to make getting a mortgage really sweet. It'll be, it'll take an hour, less than an hour to, uh, to get a mortgage, you know, push button, get mortgage. Uh, Well, People in the industry know that you just don't push a button and get a mortgage. And people in the industry also know that it's easier to have a background in mortgage and look at new technology rather than have a background in pure technology, thinking they're going to redo the entire mortgage banking process and the retire the entire industry. They run up against, you know, uh, gee, the movers, movers, movers aren't going to be there in a, in, for another month what are we going to do about that a rate lock you know what are interest rates doing they run into the hurdles that brokers just are part of their normal day so when you have somebody who's got a computer science background they don't understand our industry so it's it's nice and and what that what people what companies like that tend to do though is give existing companies like fairway an idea of what's new out there And where the industry might be heading and to be able to bring, say, fairways resources to bear on problems, solutions, technology solutions and so forth. So there's a lot going on out there. I think it's important for brokers to to keep in mind uh, what's going on out there and what's going to help their clients. And some of it will and some of it won't. So uh, but it's good to be educated about it.
0: Well, I just have to jump in on that. I totally agree with you that the brokers that we work with, they're entrenched in their communities, people know them and they trust them, and we feel like that's similar to what we try to offer our partners. Um, We work closely with our broker partners to find solutions to pick up the phone to help them. One of our taglines is relationships matter. And I think that's true from a wholesale lender to a partner experience. And I think it's true from a broker to a borrower experience. It matters. And so while there are new entrants, Al, into the, into the lending world, and some of them are more um, online-based only, more technology-driven, it matters still um, to a large segment of the population who you decide to partner with. So totally agree with that. Um, Al, do you have another question? If not. Well,
1: I, I've got one more. Rob is is you know as we were almost uh, to the fourth quarter of 2021. Okay, we talked a little bit about interest rates and and you know the the, the sense that they may remain low. Um, what's what is your advice to brokers that what, what do we need to be on the lookout for? What's what's you know what's the next wave of opportunity or or you know we talked a little bit about. Um, you know, the, the, this administration's low to moderate income focus. What's your advice to the broker community right now headed into the fourth quarter and really, you know, finishing another strong year, but really preparing for 2022?
2: The, I would, I would say that that's another good question. Um, you know, if I were a broker, there, there's a lot of, uh, There's a lot of noise out there, and the uh, and and by noise I mean, uh, you know, noise. I mean, we'll we'll be frank. I mean, there's a couple wholesalers out there who tend to grab headlines on a regular basis and uh, have these flashy ads and flashy stadiums and so forth and price wars and I got to admit, and everybody on the phone knows, I think price wars can uh, tend to help borrowers um, sometimes. But the more I talk to brokers who are out there who um, you know are good at what they do and they continue to help borrow after borrow after borrow, they're not interested in a lot of the noise that's out there. They've they've tended to focus on having a few. Wholesale partners that are steady and reliable and there for them year after year after year, and then might not be, you know, the flashy and pizzazz kind of stuff. And they might not might might, you know, I, I would say that Fairway will would never, for example, advertise push button get mortgage because I know somebody somebody flashed up a, a comment there that it hurts everybody in the industry uh, with. Uh, uh, you know, having to compete with that when they have a borrower call them and say, you know, I, I, you know push button, get mortgage, can I do that with you guys? Well, uh, no, and here's why you can't. So there's this noise with the, with the other companies that are out there. But the, but the good originators are focused on, on helping one client at a time, having decent rates, maybe not the best rates ever, but having good rates, consistent rates day after day after day, and a good product line that can help their borrowers. I don't hear so much about, oh, yeah, wouldn't it be nice if rate, you know, 30 year rates could go to two and three quarters. Wouldn't that be great? What I'm hearing now from brokers is <coughs> we need a product to fit this particular borrower. Do you, do you know where I can find this product? And so it's a matter of some thinking that maybe the low-hanging fruit has has already been picked off the trees and now some of the dealer deals are getting harder. There are some rate and term, obviously opportunities, a lot of them that are still out there, but in terms of cash out and in terms of some of the quote, hairier deals um, that are, are seem to be increasing, it's a matter of brokers having Reliable counterparties, somebody that they can rely on, and I'm not only. I'm not saying that's only fairway. You know, uh, it's it's usually a very though close group of of wholesale investors that the brokers can turn to because they have relationships with with that. Holly, are you are you seeing are you are you seeing that as well among the broker community?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to one thing before we go any further. There are some questions that are coming in by email. Um, if you have a question, put it in the chat so that we can get them all addressed. Um, and like you said, one one person chimed in and said, "Hit button, get mortgage undermines everything that our industry does. It is not for the weak or or the faint-hearted." And so uh, it comes back to the experience level and the personal touch and the relationships that, that our partners um, offer. So I could not agree more with one comment. Thank you very much for that. Um, we are at 241. Sarah, do you have any questions? Oh, for- I always
3: have questions for Rob, always. So wait a minute, wait a minute,
2: wait a minute, <laughs> wait a minute. Holly, what what are you seeing out there? You kind of Dismissed my question, throwing a bag at you and went down. The, the, uh, <laughs> nice, the, nice right.
3: deflection there, Holly.
2: <laughs> so are you seeing are, are you seeing uh, uh, brokers who are all over the place or do you think that the good brokers who are out there tend to tend to have a, a small group of investors that they use?
0: I see brokers that want to be all over the place. And that try to have relationships with a lot of different wholesalers and try to offer everything to everybody, and and, uh, and not that it can't be done, but I will tell you the successful brokers that we partner with. If you have a limited number of wholesale lenders that you work with, and you get to know their processes and you get to know them, and you can ask for help, you're you're going to have a, a you're going to have an easier time getting that loan from application to clear to close. If you focus in one area, one product area, one service area, and not necessarily just one, but if you limit to what you focus on, you get the reputation in your community that they're the go-to for this, whatever this is, maybe it's government financing, maybe it's condo, maybe it's second home, whatever it is. So, you know, we we have seen that the, the people that have partnered with us and have been very, very loyal for, what, Al, five, six, seven years or longer with Fairway Wholesale, um, it's because they have a, a limited number of, of outlets available um, at their choosing. And a lot of times those choices are limited, um, Sometimes those choices are limited by factors outside of their control, and that's not why you're a broker. You're a broker to have choice, and you should choose to do business with people that you trust and, that, and, and with people that take good care of you and your customers, your borrowers. Um, so that's, that's my plug for Fairway, because I think that's what we do really, really well.
2: You know, the, uh, uh, I will uh, like, liken this industry to some extent to a, to a bike race. And I think people's experience, most of their experience with bike racing is watching the Tour de France or, or clips of the Tour de France. And they know if they watch it for any extended period of time, there's, a, there's the Peloton, which is this huge group of riders and they're, they're all riding along. And every once in a while, riders will break from the Peloton and two or three or four riders will, will dash ahead. And inevitably the Peloton either catches up with them or they get tired and then they get pushed back, brought back into the Peloton. And the the ultimate winner of a multi-stage race like the Tour de France isn't necessarily a rider or a team that comes in first for all 10 or 20 races. You could come in second or third consistently on 20 or 30 races and win the tour de france because whoever came in first the first day maybe they came in 10th the following following day and maybe whoever came in second the, the first day came in you know 5th the next day and so forth so it's a matter of being consistent over the long run and i think uh, i think i think fairway has that reputation out there Sarah, what were you going to ask?
3: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I know people always, there's always something uh, about every five years, right, Rob, where people are concerned. uh, What is going to happen to the, uh, you know, the correspondent lenders? What's going to happen to the broker shops? What's going to happen with all this technology? uh, You know, the basement rate pricing with uh, letter.com. Just kidding. Anyway, (laughs) so I would love for you to share about that, because I know, you know, we've, we've seen it and people get nervous about it. And then the, the level of service and the things that we do to help the customer, it's still so important, but I'd love to have you chime in on that.
2: Yeah. You know, the, um, I am fond of saying that this, this, we have in this industry, these 10 year business cycles, but with eight year memories. And I was, uh, I was at an event. I've been to several events lately and, and uh, it's, it's really fun to see people again and, and get together. And um, The uh, one event uh, there was, I had some time off and I was trying to figure out which session I was going to attend. because it's always good to, to attend sessions and see what folks are doing out there. And so there was one titled, uh, we, uh, the, the future of lending, the future of lending. And I thought, well oh, that's something maybe i should know about maybe i should know about the future of lending so i went and it was a a wholesale account executive and i, I it was it was a, it, it was all about this company's non qm product offering that's what the session was about and i was sitting there listening and then there was, it was kind of well attended, not wasn't packed, but it was kind of well attended. And but the brokers who were there were very interested in uh, asking questions. I've got a, you know, a borrower on the eighth floor of a mixed use building uh, in Miami. And you do you have a program for that? Well, we've got this. I've got a a borrower who uh, runs a business with her sister, and they had to declare bankruptcy four years ago, but now they're back. You know, all these scenarios that were being asked. And I sat there in the audience thinking, all right, is this really the future of lending? I I tend to not think so, but I know that brokers are very interested in in the different scenarios that are out there. So Sarah, when you talk about kind of the evolution of the industry and, and where it might be going... You know, they the industry, the experts that are out there keep thinking, oh, we're going to have a huge revolution or some competitor is going to come in or uh, Costco is going to start offering mortgages, which they do. But they do it through uh, a, a, a small lender or Amazon is going to come into our industry and wipe everybody out. You know, we were hearing that or back you know, in 2008, boy, 2007. The investment banks, you know, Lehman Brothers, Solomon Brothers, Smith Barney, whoever—the investment banks are going to dominate residential lending. But what people have to keep in mind is that investment bankers, where they may be good at capital markets issues, they're no good at writing underwriting guidelines and originating loans. What people have to keep in mind is that Amazon has made its name in speed and efficiency and. You know, you order something and if it's not there by dinner time, you're upset. Well, the mortgage process is everybody on this call will tell you the mortgage process is anything but that quick and people on this call understand it. And they're also good at explaining it to their clients. So we, we go through these evolutions. We go through this evolution. We hear about these companies who may come into the market, may not come into the market. Who knows what might happen? But once again, to Holly's point, consistency is very, very important. And for brokers to be able to understand kind of what's going on in the industry, we could, we could be having this discussion, Sarah, a year from now, two years from now, five years from now. And I think for the most part, it'll be very similar to the process that we're using now with maybe some of the friction reduced If you look at it over decades, over centuries, if you go back 250 years, for example, and you look at businesses then or institutions then versus now, I read somewhere recently that the only thing that if you brought back somebody from the 1700s to to brought them into today, they would recognize church and they would recognize school. Those, Those institutions haven't changed much. Lending has changed. And I think that I think that in order for brokers to be successful, they have to be aware of kind of these slow changes. But be able to capitalize on, on where their borrowers are now, where their communities are now. Be able to use those programs effectively to help one borrower at a time, get that referral base going and, and continue it, and just be the, the subject matter expert that their borrowers and their clients require. I think I think that'll be a success long after you and I have, have stopped being in the business.
3: Yeah. Last comment real quick on that too. We use this tagline, uh, there's riches and niches. And I would encourage all of our broker partners that, you know, make sure that you're adapting to some niche products that we offer at Fairway because that also will uh, expand your business and extend, extend you as an originator. So uh, that's it for me,
0: Holly. I I just want, I got to read this one comment that came over from somebody listening. No one can duplicate or mimic the personal touch and understanding and customer service we provide who are in the trench, who are in the trenches, um, no matter what industry, LOs have and always will be here to stay. And I cannot agree more.
1: Yep.
2: I agree.
0: Uh, we got one question. Um, Rob, appraisals and AMC, it seems to be one of the biggest pain points for our brokers. What are you seeing? That.
2: <laughs> Everywhere. Um, next question. It's it's, okay. it's it's a huge huge issue that's out there. Um, the I mean the, there's almost nothing right with the system. And boy, I'll, I hope I don't get in trouble by listeners for saying that. But the I mean, if you look at what from soup to nuts, let's say Sarah, uh, your son wants to give up a uh, career in tennis.
3: Yeah, Yeah. I want him to be an appraiser and then, you know, come back on the order and go, that'll be 2000 and I'll rush it for you.
2: (laughs) There you go. I mean, but but the odds are that somebody coming out of a two year or four year institution, the last thing they want to do is become an appraiser because you have to serve an apprenticeship with an appraiser who knows that you're going to compete with them in their market when you get your own license. So right. it's, it's trouble. It's trouble finding an appraiser to train you. You have this, you know, fifteen dollar an hour apprenticeship. And I'll tell you, when you graduate from a four year school, the last thing you want to do is make fifteen bucks or twenty bucks or whatever. And appra- being an appraiser is not glamorous. Um, there's not a lot. There's some technology, but not a lot. Some of it involves, you know, crawling under houses or or, or going into houses that you might not want to go into, uh, and so forth and so on. So it's an uphill battle. Just to become an appraiser, you have when you talk about the average age, I'd say the average age of an appraiser is older than the industry in general. The appraisers who are out there, if you're an existing appraiser and I get a, uh, I can do, let's say I can do two appraisals a day, maybe three, but let's say two accurately and completely. And I get an order from Sarah Mortgage and she's willing to pay me $400 for a, uh, you know, for, for an appraisal where I get an order from Holly Mortgage and she's willing to pay me $800. Not only that, but it's, you know, two miles away from my office and it's a slam dunk subdivision deal. And Sarah, you're going to pay me $400 for this yurt, to, to, you know, 20 miles out of town. Well, what, what am I going to take? And I can only do two of these a day. I'm going to take Holly's deal. So you're dealing with a very finite number of appraisers who are good. You're dealing with uh, supply and demand. You're dealing with AMCs in the middle of this. And this is across the nation. And the AMCs, I would say the theory is good to remove the influence that lenders would have on the appraisal process. But in practice, there's a lot of deficiencies. There's a lot of issues. That are going on there now, and so I think that uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac FHA they they are all aware of the issues that the industry is facing. I would think that we'll see some more technology changes that might help, uh, but for right now, it's it's definitely the the bottleneck in the process.
3: Yeah, and- that's the fastest solution if they can implement technology and you know make make the lower loan to values easier because man. We're just stuck in the supply yeah, chain it's, it's, a, it's, a,
2: it's a real problem because as an investor, it's important to remember on the capital market side, so many investors got burned in 2008, 2010, 2012, you know, with loans of, of $200,000 on properties were worth 150000 because the appraisal got pushed or somebody got their arm twisted or somebody was in on something crooked. So a lot of investors lost a lot of money they don't wanna go through that again. So to have an accurate assessment of value, whether it's an appraisal done by an appraiser or whether, it's a, whether the property receives a property inspection waiver, whatever, that's the ultimate goal is to satisfy that secondary marketing investor, that capital markets investor, that that property is worth what we think it's worth. So however that happens.
0: That's great. Uh, I know, Holly, you got, I've got one last thing for Rob. You go. All right. Uh, All I'm going to say is Carrie, who has been very active in the chat today, thank you very much, and Ronnie, who has been active in the chat today, if you can privately message us, message me, your address we would like to ship you a Fairway Ignite shirt. So thank you, Sarah, for offering. I'm going to let uh,
3: you- Rob, we'll send you one too. Don't, don't you worry. Yeah. Al, what, what you got? And then I got one last thing for, for Rob.
1: Well, oh, I just, Rob, thanks for your time today. It's, you know, it's, you've been an awesome supporter of the, the broker community. Um, I've enjoyed the relationship with you over, uh, over my time in the industry. You've always been just a, a resource. Um, and, and whether it's from the standpoint of the lender uh, the broker, the originator, um, what have you, it's, it's really awesome to have a resource like you that gives us such perspective on so many different elements of this business. So thanks for spending some time with us today. Um, we appreciate the relationship. We appreciate the information you shared. Um, these, these podcasts are all about trying to provide our broker community value. Um, and, and Holly touched on it perfectly earlier. Uh, and in this discussion is you know we care about our partners we care about our, our teammates um, we we are all in this together um, and I think you know as, as we continue to com- combat some of the forces that that we just talked about the AI the the, the new entrants um, it's really important to you know, to rely on these relationships uh, and work together to continue to improve the platform and uh, you know again that's that's what we're all about so Sarah
3: Yeah, my last uh, just nudge for everybody is is make sure you read Rob's blog every day and Rob what is your if you don't know, uh, Rob has this really cool cat named Myrtle. Uh, What's your favorite Myrtle story that's happened since you've been on zoom uh, with COVID hit and uh, he always have a little bit of commentary about Myrtle here and there so it's kind of fun. Myrtle
2: Myrtle's large and in charge.
3: Yeah, Uh, I think we were on a Zoom and she was like walking across. Yeah, her
2: tail, (laughs) you know, sometimes her tail. The camera. Uh, But, you know, Myrtle, Myrtle, Myrtle has more admirers than than anybody I know because, well, I'll go someplace and it's not Rob, how are you? Or Rob, you feeling okay? Or Rob, this, it's, uh, you know, how's Myrtle? (laughs) How's Myrtle?
3: (laughs) That's right. That's right. We so appreciate you, Rob. You have just, you're a legend. And uh, thank you. Thank you for everything you've done for the industry. So oh,
2: Thank you very much for having me.
3: Yeah. Everybody have a great rest of the day.